Abby. And I'm Georgie. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This is Creative Clinks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Clinks. Today we are chatting with the gorgeous Erin McDonald. Erin is a proud Mandandaji woman from Western Queensland and is currently a practicing interior designer, a First Nations design consultant at Blacklash Creative in Brisbane. Welcome, Erin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> so we're very excited to have you on today. And we just really want to talk about your story and where you started and how it's evolved. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, Erin, tell us what attracted you to the interior design industry to start with. Well, I guess it all started when I was painting my room over and over again, spending all my money that I got from working at a fruit shop in high school. And we would go to Caloundra actually every year. Mum would take me out to Pelican Waters and we would go to the you know display homes I would walk around and I'd be like oh my god I want to do this and yeah and then I started just doing that in my room like over and over again I I just started to think one day how could I turn this into a career and started to search you know design and you know interior design and um yeah then sort of started looking at university courses and yeah studied at QUT while working at the children's hospital in emergency as admin. Oh, wow. So I was doing that. Um, I guess working alongside doctors and nurses and seeing their careers, started working in the brand new hospital. So the children's hospital that Conrad Gargat actually designed and built. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was a bit of a kind of a bit of a circle and I just sort of got a creation for health design, understanding how the users physically use the space, like me being staff member, seeing all the children come in. It was this beautiful kind of, I don't know, experience and it just got me excited. And yeah, I actually started working at Cox, which didn't really do hospitals or anything like that, but that was just sort of where I landed. And um, yeah, and then moved across the CG and now we're at Blacklash. So yeah. So while you were working in the hospital, could you see what needed to be done, what needed to be improved? Like, were you inspired by also designing for hospitals and that kind of part of the industry? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is part of being time poor, right? I was pretty much working full time, studying full time, then also working at Cox. So I sort of had the two jobs. I started doing my assignments. So I had like a color assignment. So I did that on color and lighting. I did it on the hospital, really looking at the color and how it affected children within that space. So children would come in with a like a head knock basically and be jumping everywhere because I think that from that study it was a color and that and it was just so overstimulating. Wow, this is so interesting already. I had no idea this was <laughs> the first like two minutes of the conversation. This is where it was going to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy and being immersed in an in environment and I think that from an interior design perspective, it is that user experience, right? And and how it can make a user feel. Children kind of show you that without hiding it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. They don't have that filter that we do as adults. Yeah. Mm. That was a really great sort of assignment case study. Wow. That's amazing. I never would have thought that color would act like sugar for kids. I know. <laughs> Like, honestly, that's a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, well, even as a staff member, like yeah, night shift, like it'd be like, oh, 2 a.m. in the morning, you're trying to stay awake um, to get through the shift when there was no one coming in. And so it would be moments that it was just too much and we would turn them down. And then there was moments that we needed them on to stay, <laughs> to physically stay awake. It was really interesting to start, to really, really study that actually. And yeah. It's a stimulant. So yeah, it makes such a difference, such a difference. Are you still doing a lot of hospital design work now or what are you focusing on primarily? 
primarily? Um, when I first started at um, Conroe Gargit, I went straight onto a, a hospital project, a brand new one, with a huge uh, First Nations sort of connecting to country. So it's in New South Wales in Maruya, so Batemans Bay. Yeah. It's happening at the moment, so there's a lot of stuff in the media about it. So I came on sort of a little bit... Not the very, very start, but up there. They did a walk on country, so they have to adhere to the New South Wales Government Architects um, Designing with Country Framework. And I already knew all about that because that's kind of, yeah, what my sort of specialty role is at the moment. It's been the most beautiful experience and a completely different one. It's It all started the right way and, it, and you can see how it's progressed. Um, so I came on as the interior designer. From the First Nations consultation, it kind of, we come up with all these pillars and everything like that. And, but it was about the community and it's a, it's a rural hospital so it has that whole connection to the indigenous communities down there and it's their stories and it's it's what was there before on site and everything like that there's like traditional sort of birthing suites oh wow yeah so first nations like mothers to be they lose that connection of of their culture and this this facility is, is starting to shape that it's so beautiful like sort of beautiful walking tracks for the staff and there's so much in it i could probably talk about it all day yeah. And with those birthing suites, like I don't know if it's this is going to be to the extent of your knowledge, but would that be just for First Nations or would that be for open to anyone who'd want to go through that experience? I don't really know what, what the offering would be like as in the health facility. So there's a few birthing rooms and then there's a, sort of about three that are sort of open up and they have an external courtyard straight off them. And then from that, you can actually walk down and and just walk on country. So it's it's the women that as soon as the baby's born, they put their feet in the in the ground. And then there's another whole, you know, with the whole placenta thing, some of the cultures boiled it and then rubbed it over their bodies and left it on for, for a whole week. And, you know, and I was just thinking like that in an urban context in the city of a hospital or something like that. I'm not sure if that would happen either. So. <laughs> So there's different. That's what I mean. There's such a specific, site-specific um, project, and yeah, wow. an absolutely beautiful one. The amount of people, I'm assuming, that a project this size that you'd have to collaborate with to get accumulative knowledge together to make it all work must be absolutely astronomical. It was done right. Like all I can say is it's done right from the start. So this is why it's strongly the outcomes are really strongly been in place and also like we just part of the design team we can actually design it right but then after a building is designed what happens then Mm. so we're we're really implementing these changes within the design that is actually going to be implemented through the operation of the of the hospital which is the best outcome i think so how long does a project like this from start to finish take Oh, this one's going to be, so it sort of started, what's this year, 2020? I think it started 2021 and it, it's going to be built 2026. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Just as I'm getting excited. I know, I'm thinking, when can I go down that way and have a look at this? Oh, there's heaps of photos online. Have a look at all okay. of them. Um, yeah, through the government, but yeah. Wow, that's incredible. You must feel so blessed to be a part of something like this. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um yeah, it was. It's been really special, and it was really hard for me to to leave that project when I decided to transition across to Blacklash. It was, and but you know what? Absolutely, I'm actually still involved, which has been oh, amazing. Wow. That's amazing. You form that relationship with community as well. You know, you're doing this for the community, and they're involved as well. Like it's hard to leave that. And like, where would you say was the point where you found that it's important to make those design considerations, um, considering like your own kind of cultural heritage, and then as well as I guess 
society and where all of that's going as well. Where, like for you, was it a more personal thing to try and incorporate into your design and have that consideration early on? Or is it kind of just because everything's changed that you've been able to adapt and really embrace it on another level compared to a lot of other people with designing and considering country? Absolutely, probably more of a personal level like I just (laughs) I just think that this is how design should be done because it's it's such so rich and it just has so much meaning and it's so valuable the culture is so beautiful non-indigenous people don't see that yet or like a lot of people do but they just so buy projects like this would and it's like it was just like this is some projects can't do this like you know what I mean so there's there's certain projects it's like yes we can make an impact we can make a change so let's do it and then some no so from the get-go absolutely like this was done completely um correctly yeah awesome. I can't say that I know the mob down there I, I don't it's only directly from those community engagement sessions and, and this is why I tell people like we talk about co-design now and and I'm like, oh, do you even know what that is? Like people think they do, but it, it's not. And I think this is a prime example of what actually co-design is, actually Indigenous-led. It's been absolutely amazing. Firstly, from a personal point of view, what do you think a project like that has taught you? <laughs> it's taught me that I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know how else to design now. I actually, I'm like, how, what, what um, project would I work on without even getting inspired by something else like I just don't know what that is anymore how did I design before all of these amazing um, outcomes yeah so obviously I think you know this is where this conversation is going to go which I was hoping it was anyway yeah in relation to your your work with Blacklash and can you tell everyone what that's about because you know I I first came across you at a an event you had you were speaking at on the Sunshine Coast and I walked away I can't even describe this. I think I tried to put it in an email to you and um, it probably didn't do it justice. But I, I walked away just feeling like there's so much more meaning now to design than I think I ever really realized. And I was looking for that extra thing to kind of really want to maybe not not so much be involved with but feel connected to more than anything. Um, as you know, because my husband's Indigenous as well as my daughter. And so it's something that's very close to my heart. And I feel like a lot of people don't even realise that this is what's happening, that there is actually so much collaboration now involved with um, designing with First Nations designers. So, And Blacklash is a huge part of that now and has such a voice. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. So I guess I was in designing through my lens, right, when I started working in the industry and how long ago was that now? Maybe four, five years ago now. And no one was really understanding what I was talking about. Like that's how it felt. I was the only Indigenous person within a company and it was uh, and it was hard to explain for someone like a, another designer to do, right? So and then I met Troy. Um, I got asked to do this sort of talk at this Asia-Pacific Architecture Festival about as an Indigenous designer and how I approach things. And I did. And then just got talking to Troy and I was like, so you're kind of doing this stuff with community. Um, so Blacklash was originally started doing public art and exhibitions and art exhibitions and stuff. And then I was like, hey, I've been trying to do this in the design industry and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, great. So then we just started working on this project together and then it's just gone. <laughs> it's gone boom. What we do, it, it's I don't des- I don't like to design for a design outcome. 
So it's it's designing through process and impact. This is kind of where my sort of educational talks are kind of going at the moment and realizing everyone wants to wants to really understand this and do this, but I think we need to educate ourselves and and as designers sort of take a little bit of responsibility. That's kind of what I do at Blacklash is help um, other architects. So we work with other architecture firms, the designers, Project Pacific, then help to, for them to unpack um, how, to tra- how to translate that appropriately culturally because it's essentially, which is kind of what's been talked about in the industry now, is, is non-Indigenous designers can't really design for Indigenous it's where like, and I'm really passionate about educating non-Indigenous designers to think differently, to think um, and how that can be translated. We work with, we do some sort of like research. We work with traditional owners here in Brisbane. So we specifically work with the Yagra um, traditional owners and learn the stories because my mob's not here. My mob, mob's Roma, like it's a six hours drive best from here so and I know that that's this is not my country and and but I understand what country means and how we can unpack those beautiful stories of place site specific to that project and um Mm. and and translate that into meaningful outcomes again it doesn't have to be a specific outcome because that through that process you've just created a, a beautiful relationship um with indigenous traditional owners or elders and and that to me is is actually more special than in a, in a design outcome. So are you having, yeah, like you said, different architects or designers or I'm, I'm assuming to councils, would that be someone too that would approach Blacklash and say, hey, we need help in designing and what can you do for us? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, everyone wants to do this um, designing with country and, and just have a deeper understanding, which is amazing. Um, and that's where we come in as well. We can create those linkets to community and also design. Like it's designers, our, our traditional owners and elders aren't designers. Like yeah. so that, that's another thing that, that I think architects need to understand as well. And when we want to do these things and we want to do it with community, that's great. But there's a level of understanding that um, needs to be known first that they also have their own life as well and they can't, like, they've probably got other careers or, you know, family is yeah. important. And we're wanting them to do all of this stuff on a project. And as you know, like design projects are and programs are heavy. Like, you know, as we were saying before, they can be like six years long. We are this sort of mediator of coordinating and and responding appropriately and, yeah, kind of wear a few hats here. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Do you find that there's a fine line between people genuinely wanting to have uh, Indigenous design part of their project and then those who feeling like they're just supposed to, so a bit of virtue signalling? You might come across a project and you think you know which ones feel more genuine than others. Do you do you feel that deep in your soul that that's what happens quite a bit? Absolutely, absolutely. Every day. And I, I'm kind of a person that, I, I don't know, I connect with people um, quite yep. easily. I don't know. Like I'm like, are you just putting us on this project to win this project or do you actually want to understand, do you actually want to do this because – if you don't, that's okay. Don't just do this to win a project because that's not that's not benefiting anyone. Not every project is actually needs to be a designing with country framework, but it's in bids now, right? Like there's a lot of bids, massive, massive commercial bids, and it's it's really hard to navigate that. Mm, and so I feel like it could possibly be for you a bit of um yeah ticking the box kind of thing 
which, yeah, which I, I know exactly what you're saying. It can be yeah. that's always probably going to come across your desk, you know, daily, you know, weekly kind yeah. of situation. But, um, yeah, I guess that's still it's still your job, even, I guess, you know, to communicate, even if people didn't initially think that it was something really that is that important. Yeah. That's also a responsibility now put on yourself to – prove to them actually it is yeah yeah absolutely absolutely mm. and yeah like i was saying before there's a there's a there's a part of an educational piece like you can tell when someone has no idea or you know and they're just doing it because that's their job like and i you can start to gauge are you you know this is like my life i guess when I, this is my life that I'm, i don't shut off like i'm not doing a nine to five <laughs> like this is my culture this is my community and how do you teach people that don't even want to know this sort of stuff mm. And do you get to do you get to be a bit more selective with being able to identify where a project is doing it mean, meaningfully, like the hospital, compared to one that's just trying to, you know, be with the status quo and get that award and doing all of those and not doing it genuinely and wholeheartedly? Do you guys have the opportunity to? kind of identify that and choose to work or is it a bit like, you know, you've got to take it as it comes, you try to educate them and do your best and then deal with it or do you have that bit more control? We have so much work on at the moment and I like like ridiculous amount of work. Like I said before, this is not my, a job for me. It's like my life and I if I say no to that person, who that, that's not going to happen. Like then the community doesn't benefit from that. And that's how we work. It's like, okay, this project could benefit, you know, this Indigenous artist and, 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 and like we don't just do everything. Like we, we basically share it to our community because we can't do anything without our community or with our TOs. So that's a hard one. We can sort of learn and know, you know, who is definitely being authentic and who's not being authentic in that space. Um, mm. But I guess that's the industry as well. It's probably just life in general, just trying to decipher who's genuine and who's not, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think the hard part probably, I don't know about yourself, but I think for me to kind of comprehend is that if someone who is genuine won't do it, there's someone out there that will and they won't do any justice, they won't be educated and they'll nearly make a mockery of it, which I think is quite disheartening. Exactly, exactly. And then I guess you talk about the money thing, right? Like <laughs> it, it, like it's starting to happen like, oh, we can't, you know, engage, you know, Blacklash because don't have the money for it. That's okay. That's totally fine. But just maybe just don't do anything to do with designing with country. That's okay. Mm. And I think that's a kind of a bit of a lesson that people need to understand. I think it's it's unfortunate, especially if it's public space. And and I think it, that's something that I'm definitely personally working on is that is just being further educated because I didn't really come up with a very come through an upbringing or even like looking back to school. It's like there was not a great deal of education. Yeah, absolutely. And I was the same. I, there was no like I was in the you know Indigenous units at school and brought through that. But at the same time, like it wasn't very educational like we had it we were sort of had our own little unit and we were just you know the indigenous kids would be there but it wasn't known to the whole school you know at the moment like I'm hearing a lot of things in in daycares now that it's coming through the education system as well um with with kindergartens and and I think that's the best time to do it because the kids understand it they learn really quickly and then they can start carrying that knowledge again and again yeah and you, I'm having that with the universities at the moment is um like I'm teach I'm co-teaching a, a course at QT. It's the second year. 
um, decolonizing design. We're actually just teaching the students to understand, have a deeper understanding of Indigenous culture. And we're having, you know, speakers come through every week and talking from their perspective for those students to, okay, what's your positionality now in this space going into industry as a, as a non-Indigenous designer um, and how to approach a, a design respectfully? I open up. <laughs> that needs to go to every uni, Erin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's something that needs to happen. And I've been thinking about it for a while, sort of doing this big forum thing. And but I'm I'm busy doing this thing. And you know, it's just how do you connect and and sort of we are in this education space. Like I think pause mm. on designing with country or designing with anything. Gosh, I just honestly I feel like that is such a big space that when you have a spare moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, you could also just expect, oh uh, seriously, I, I'm sure you just like run off your feet, but you know, you could seriously yeah. expand on that because like Georgie, you, you and I met, so Georgie and I met online yeah. through uni. We were, we were doing a subject where we basically did something around indigenous culture, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And now I'm just thinking about, back about this. What did you do? <laughs> so we did, um, it was like, and it's so random considering like I'm communication design, so digital design based stuff and um, Barbie B interiors. So it was a class where it came together and it was kind of trying to utilize all disciplines and it was to create a sculpture of some description in an area and Im- improve the space or, or the versatility of the space. And so because I live in Newcastle, I said, let's do Stockton Beach. Why not? I love cracking around there and like in the Ute and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, well, let's do it. And so everyone was like, yeah, okay. And then Barbie just kind of started adding in going like, I think we need to look at this from a cultural perspective. And I'd already actually done a wayfinding project for Stockton Beach and learned about the Warimi people and and also that they've, they've taken that land as like a conservation site and um, it's in their care. But it was this really magnificent kind of. It looks like what was it? It looked like kind of a cornucopia, like a massive shell that was kind. I think it was made from like recycled metals and things. And I think even just being able to have been able to uh, instigate a project prior to that and looking at wayfinding and how to incorporate a more indigenous identity there. Oh my gosh, if we had had someone at uni to actually talk to us mm. and direct that so much better. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And, yeah. Because yeah. I think that you can only go so far with self education and motivation to, to learn something. Like, I'm someone who needs to be guided, like meditation, education, whatever it is. I definitely find that I'm more influenced from someone who who motivates me within that space. You know, you can only read so many articles. I think you can get a really rich education from, you know, going to seminars, having them held or, you know, having an influence throughout early childhood. And I think that would eliminate a lot of racism. So I think it definitely doesn't just stop at the physical, you know, interiors as well. I think it needs to be applied to a lot of different disciplines. Absolutely. Well, that's like, well, universities have a long way to go in that space, mm. especially in our, you know, our courses, because there was not a course like that, you know, and nothing, nothing. And I, I was thinking back today, I was like, what am I going to say in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was, I was thinking, oh, what's my, you know, my story, but my story is my story. Like it's, it's my, 
you know, your, my personal story. And that's how you approach, that's how you approach a, de- a design or, and stuff like that. And I, I say to students now, I'm like, don't lose, don't lose your, your personal design perspective when you go and work in a firm. I didn't do, I was talking to someone the other day, I didn't do any First Nations sort of design in my projects, right, at university. One, because we weren't talked about it. Two, I was at university because I didn't know design. I was there to learn. <laughs> so I knew my culture, but I didn't know design. So only now in industry, I'm putting it together. I think it was like first year. It was you had to get a heirloom or something that's been handed down in your family. I did our cultural history. I did my family history. And so with all the documents, like we've got all wow, all the documents of writing for permission to just go to see our other family member. Like, wow. So crazy, like my my nan's name in there, like writing to the government. That is my history that's being passed down. It's such an amazing space, and it's really exciting. Like right now, because I keep saying, where did, where did this all happen? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it happened overnight. Do you feel like that a little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's great. I mean, what are you like? You guys sort of doing stuff in this space as well, or <clears throat> I think from like from my perspective, I think. I think half the the issue is letting people know that that's something they, they should consider. Yeah. And I do feel like it's exactly like what you said. I do think that it's not necessarily for everyone because it just then stops the meaning behind it then completely gets diminished, right? So it needs to be appropriate and it actually needs to be something that resonates with the project itself. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I I can't wait to be involved with someone like yourself and get you on board a project that I'm working with when I feel it's, yeah, 100% appropriate and that the the clients I'm working with really genuinely want to have a, have that a part of their project, you know? Yes. Um, Georgie, from a communications point of view? I've definitely taken, the, I guess, the outlook of it. There's a time and a place so you're not disrespectful. I think it's just some things that I've come across, it's just not considered in that way it's doing it because it's not become a trend I feel like that sounds disrespectful but it's just yeah ticking that box and it's not being respectful or used appropriately yeah absolutely I mean there's also other avenues like Barbie Barbie like if if you don't um have a specific client that um may not value this sort of type of design um but there's also like procurement methods like you can do a local indigenous business or and how to feed that into your projects yep that's great so we um just started a company because i've got all this spare time (laughs) it's basically like collaborating with other other businesses to help sort of do a first nations um range and we've been working with a guy blackwood collective up at moffat beach oh wow for a client we did a table ended up being what are we going to do? And I've been this sort of table, sort of worked with the traditional owner here and I designed the table based on the traditional ways and technologies that um, First Nations did. Gareth uses Blackwood and then we got an Indigenous artist to do a, like, a painting on it as well. There's that kind of collaboration that was just a table. It's just another avenue that you don't have to do this whole sort of conceptual designing, but it's actually a, a beautiful way of connecting businesses and using um, local Indigenous businesses. I think that's a that's actually a really great point because one of my questions was going to be how yeah how can people get involved with Indigenous design, like you said, without it being so obviously Indigenous designed. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, finding businesses that that you can also just work on on something with is is a really good tip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I guess there's also that not to bring it back down, but what we we're saying before is understanding who's doing it, who's doing it in the right way because there's a lot of, a lot of black cladding out there kind of 
have an Indigenous person within a company, now it's an Indigenous yeah okay and I think that's where it comes back to us as individual designers in this space of we need to educate ourselves to a certain extent to understand what's that authentic um space and business and yeah like you said do your research like authentically do your research yeah yeah we'll just not go into a situation blinded you know like after this I so want to have a conversation with you Erin one day I'm, I'm coming down for a coffee absolutely yeah yeah the door's always open here well, Georgie, do you think it's time for our three questions? So, Erin, we ask our guests the three same questions every guest that we have on. First question, what would you say to your 15-year-old self now? I'd say do this sooner. Yeah, right. I was a bit late, like, to go to, you know, uni and everything like that and my career is booming right now and now I'm like, when do I have kids? You know, I'm doing this and that and, yeah, yeah. But do it in, yeah, but in saying that, I don't know. I'm always a bit of an optimistic. Like in saying that, I didn't. I have this life experience, and I see sometimes me having this life experience, and that where I've gotten to now is why I can do what I can do. Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> I love that, Georgie. If your career had no bounds, where would you where would you want to be? Like, if you know, had a million dollars, everything was perfect in life, where would you want to be right now, and what would you be doing? I would be living out in the remote communities, just doing this for free. Money is such a barrier and it's really upsetting. And I think we talk about going back to designing with country, right? Like we can't actually, like that's this whole sustainable thing, but it costs so much money to do this. Why does it cost so much money to do local stuff? But here we are trying to do this and, yeah, it's really upsetting. Mm, That makes me emotional. Like people aren't doing that because it costs money. It's like just go talk to some, go talk to communities. You don't have to put it into a, as a money thing, you know. Like it's really, really, yeah, it is. I almost got teary then too. I'm genuinely, yeah, I just, I think that's a beautiful answer. But it's a thing, right? Like, and I actually said to, um, we've been talking about this in Blacklash. I was like, I, I don't want to keep doing this for a non-Indigenous client. I want to actually have Indigenous clients. At the end of the day, you think about we're working and we're doing all these beautiful and and sharing all these beautiful stories of this community, but they're never going to go there to this big, massive tower in the city. They're never going to go there and see all of this culture there that we're just done. So I think we need to actually understand that and sort of sit with that for a while. Do you think there'd be an opportunity for... Um, like this yourself and like the studio to be able to collaborate with locals and give the locals a, a space that they've all come together to create? Like do you think that's something that's going to be in the near future? Yeah, I think we're kind of doing it. Like I was talking to Barbie just before we started. We, we started to implement um, indigenizing practice. What that means is instead of a project and you do it from a project, you start to work with community and try to do this stuff, but it gets value managed out and it doesn't end up being anything, right? And you've just pulled community all through this process for really nothing. Mm. We are working, we're partnering with uh, an architecture firm, landscape architecture firm as well, to basically be embedded within that practice. And we're going to, we're like indigenizing that their workplace, educating all their staff through cultural company workshops and really just understanding the culture and the history and, and, and acknowledging that and then starting to sort of implement that, looking at their company processes and policies and methodologies because I feel there's a huge gap there. We have a huge responsibility to our community that we're working with and if this goes wrong, like it's on us. Do you need a tissue there, darling? 
Oh, I know. I'm like, I'm going to put my mic on while I sniff. Oh, dear. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. Yeah. Okay, last question. Erin, what do you say to people who say they are not creative? Not creative? Oh, I think we're all creative in everything that we do. (laughs) Honestly, everyone is creative. Yeah, we're always creative, everything we do. Love that. (laughs) So, Erin, where can people find you? Find me at Blacklash. You can find me all over social media, I guess. Um, LinkedIn. All right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Erin. I just so need to have more conversations with you. I just, yeah, I think it's beautiful what you do and how you're trying to educate everyone and how it's so genuine, how you come across. And um, we need we need to duplicate you and clone you, I think, obviously, because you're very overwhelmed as it is with the amount of work that you've already got on. So you're obviously doing something right. And our communities obviously need you. You're very, very special to have in the design community. Oh, thanks, Barbie. And yeah, always happy to just have a coffee and catch up and talk, you know, like. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely down for that. All right. Well, finally, we need to ask you, Erin, can we get a whoop whoop? <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs> for now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers. Bye.